Jesus is real and you can walk where he walked. And a trip to the Holy Land gives you a chance to experience the Bible in a way that can't be replaced by just reading through the pages. Catholic Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, Chloe Langer. I'm joined here today by the founder of Holy Family School Faith Institute, Dr. Michael Schlorschick. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for coming on this afternoon. It's a joy. I always love talking about two things, the Holy Land and Our Lady, and we get to talk about both of them today. Very much so. We're going to be answering the question, why you listeners should go to the Holy Land. But before we talk about why we should go to the Holy Land, Mike, you've been to the Holy Land many times, but can you tap back into your experience the first time that you went to the Holy Land? What was that experience like for you, and how did that trip build your friendship and relationship with Christ and Mama Mary and those who we read about in the scriptures? Yeah, it's very beautiful, and the listeners can't see, but I'm smiling because uh, I have such a love for the Holy Land, but it didn't start out so. In fact, I didn't see any need to go to the Holy Land I took a youth group to Rome in 1995, and we have this idea that Rome, while it is the headquarters of Jesus today, we have this idea that it was the birthplace of Christianity, but it's not. It's not the birthplace of Christianity or Catholicism. Jerusalem is. But we have this Western mindset. We don't feel a need to go to Jerusalem until I was teaching a class on scripture. And a wonderful woman, Trudy Boynton, came up at the end of class and said, I've been a travel agent for 25 years. I've always wanted to take a group to the Holy Land. I think you should be the one to lead it. And I said, well, don't you think I should probably go first? (laughs) Put a little bit of experience under your belt before you lead it. (laughs) And a very good friend of mine, Dr. Tim Gray, who runs the Augustine Institute, Mm He and I would get together about every quarter just in friendship, and he was actually coming into town that week to spend some time together. And he said, well, Mike, I'll be leading a trip in June. Why don't you just come with me? Mm. You can see how I do it, kind of a reconnaissance trip, and then you can go from there. And the amazing thing in God's providence, the very next day I was having lunch with a friend of mine, a very good Catholic businessman here in Kansas City. And the first thing he said to me at lunch was, I want to go to the Holy Land and I want you to go with me because my wife is too afraid to go. Oh, wow. Out of his generosity, he paid for my trip. We went with Tim Gray and his group in June of 2010. And it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life because of the encounter with Jesus where he lived. And then I I was slated to take a group in January of 11. And I thought it would be nice to start out with 25 people. And then I found out we were taking 100. Holy smokes. (laughs) The first pilgrimage I would lead to the Holy Land with 100 people. Wow. And I was very nervous. But another very good friend of mine, another good Catholic businessman, his son was going into the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. Mm. And he wouldn't see him for a number of years. And he wanted to do something significant with his son before he left. So he suggested, why don't we go to Jerusalem 
and it'll allow you to get more familiar and we can spend this time together. And in fact, if you want, uh, I'll pay for your kids to go. So two of my daughters, Sarah and Grace, went with me with this friend of mine, Steve, and his son, Sam, in December of 2010, right before Christmas, to be in Bethlehem right before Christmas. And we spent uh, a week just our own personal driver just going around all these places and to to share that time with a close friend his son but even more so my two daughters who were 15 and 13 at the time was priceless yeah what was their reaction their takeaways like you looking through their experience to the ones as their father how has that affected their faith life coming back from the holy land my daughter sarah summed it up the best After one of the trips, I had to speak to a large group of people, and we were standing in the kitchen, and I turned to her and I said, what should I say to them? And she reflected for a moment and then said, it's real. What do you mean it's real? She said, Dad, I, I read Harry Potter, I read The Hunger Games, I read the story of Jesus. They're all just stories. It's just stories. But I was in Jerusalem, and I put my hand on Calvary where Jesus died. I stood in the empty tomb. Uh, I've swam in the Sea of Galilee. It's, it's not a story. Jesus is real. It's easy to get caught up in the head knowledge of Jesus as a historical figure and think of him as, well, he's this person who I interact with in the Gospels, but then to go and physically touch those places. And for... Not just young people, but many people today, we have this idea in the back of our mind that what if it's a myth? What if, what if this isn't real? What if it's just a legend like all these other things? But when you're there and it's put into concrete, then everything changes. When we talked about the Holy Land before, when we were prepping for this episode, you mentioned how the land itself of the Holy Land is the fifth gospel. So can you talk about how like just the physical land is a sacramental? There's a great biblical archaeologist who's a Benedictine monk since passed away, Bargel Pixner. For any listener out there, the best archaeological books on the Holy Land are written by Bargel Pixner. And he, I don't know if he coined the phrase, but he uses it that the, the Holy Land is the fifth gospel. That Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell the story of Jesus, but the land tells the story of Jesus. And people always ask me, should I bring a Bible on the pilgrimage and actually I surprise them and I say you don't need to because when you get off the plane you're walking into the Bible and just look around and take the Bible in through your senses and so many people read scripture with the idea of Kansas or Missouri or wherever you live in mind yeah it's not what it's like and it changes your whole view but even more importantly than that Jesus is an eternal person. Eternal doesn't mean that he's really old. It means he's present. There's no past. There's no future. He's always present. Anything that an eternal person does remains present. So all of the events of the life of Jesus remain present. And the land puts us in direct contact with those events. So in that sense, the land isn't a sacrament, but they are, the land is a sacramental. It opens up our soul to connect with those events. 
And then when you add to that, that we have mass every day in a holy site where the liturgy, the Holy Spirit through the liturgy, really makes those events present. Now when you combine your faith, the liturgy, and being at the very site, I can't think of any more powerful way to encounter Jesus. And it's an encounter that isn't something static. It's not like you go to the Holy Land and experience the presence of Christ in these sites, and then you get back on a plane, and you go back home to Kansas or Missouri or wherever that you're from, and it's something that, well, that's it's done. But in reality, when you come back from the Holy Land, it's something that you're continuing to unpack as you read through Scripture and you pray the Rosary, because these are places that you've really been in. Yes, going to the Holy Land is the best single investment that anyone can make in their faith, because this investment pays dividends every time you open the scriptures, every time you're at Mass and you hear the scriptures proclaimed, because then through this great gift that God has given us, our our five senses and our memory, we're right back in contact with those events. And wherever I go in Kansas City, if I'm at a daily Mass or a Sunday Mass, and when the gospel is proclaimed, I know I'm supposed to be just paying attention, but if I look around a little bit, Inevitably, I'll see someone who's been on a pilgrimage who will be mouthing, I was there. Oh, that's awesome. Right at that site. I was there. Yeah. And that's the, it just keeps building. But I can't go just once. I'm addicted to the place. (laughs) How many times have you been to the Holy Land? I've only been 17, but I, I want to go as often as I can because I... I want to be placed in contact with Jesus in this unique way. Now, don't get me wrong. We have Jesus in the Eucharist. Right. You don't need to go to Jerusalem to uh, be in contact with him. We have Jesus in our soul. But there is a unique way that we meet him there. The Catholic Church has a lot of sites that we can visit. We just celebrated the 100th anniversary of Fatima. You can go to Lourdes. School of Faith is taking another pilgrimage to Our Lady Guadalupe and the Tilma. Why go to the Holy Land to dive deeper into Mama Mary and her story? Actually, the Holy Land is the greatest Marian pilgrimage on earth because it's it's where she lived her whole life with Jesus. I have no doubt that Our Lady probably traveled with John to Ephesus, uh, and I I know for sure that she appeared in Lourdes and Fatima. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, Guadalupe, but she lived in Nazareth. She lived in Jerusalem. She walked the streets, the old city streets of of Jerusalem, which haven't changed that much, to be in her home on Mount Zion. So the upper room became the first Catholic church in the world, the Church of the Apostles. And they built her a little house next to it where she lived, close to her son in the Eucharist. Mm -hmm. And that's where she fell asleep or died, her dormition. Because most people died at home. Yeah. Now, the church hasn't said whether she died or, or fell asleep, but it was there at her house. And then the apostles carried her across this short Kidron Valley and placed her in a tomb like they did Jesus. And they were present when she was assumed from her tomb in Jerusalem. And the church has always celebrated Our Lady's Assumption from Jerusalem, from this spot, since the earliest times of the church. 
we can read amazing homilies from Germanus of Constantinople, Andrew of Crete, uh, St. John Damascene, celebrating the Feast of the Assumption on August 15th from this tomb in Jerusalem. It's so powerful to listen to St. John Damascene speaking about consecration to Mary in a homily at her tomb on August 15th. And it's one of my probably two favorite places to go in Jerusalem because we all renew our consecration to Our Lady there. Very powerful place. The roots of that going so deep all the way back to the origins. You think of, when I think of consecration, I think of Louis de Montfort, who was years and years and years after the remission of our thousand years after St. John Damascene. Yeah. And Damascene is just giving us an ancient tradition. Ancient, I mean, it goes back to yeah. the very beginnings. Right. It's something, yeah, that is at the very heart of the founding of the church. That's incredible. And to be able to renew, like today, to renew consecration vows at that scene is incredible. Nazareth, to stand before the home of Our Lady in Nazareth, where there's a little plate that says, and the word was made flesh here. Not just the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. The word was made flesh here. And you realize where I'm standing. When you invite people to go on the Holy Land, have you encountered people who are like, that sounds great, that sounds amazing, I would love to open my Bible when I get back and have this come alive, but what are the usual holdbacks for people to go? Well, the obvious one is that people have this idea that the, the whole Middle East is taken over by terrorists and the whole place is a war zone, which is... True that right now I, I probably wouldn't go to Egypt. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd be hesitant to go to too many places in Turkey. Uh, but Israel might be the safest place on the planet. They have the greatest control of security. I would not let my daughters walk around Kansas City late at night. Mm-hmm. But I allowed my daughter Sarah to go to Jerusalem by herself and she could walk around the old city any time of night. Wow. By herself. Yeah. It's extremely safe. It's also, even though it's this unbelievable mix of where East meets West and Jerusalem's a completely different culture, yet there's a, uh, a comfortability to it because almost everyone speaks English. They're taught English in, in the schools. They use the American dollar. You can use your credit card there. The water is safe. Yeah. The food is great. It's very easy to travel there. We kind of mentioned this when we talk about how this is an investment, and this is something you continue to unpack. But for people who say that, no, the cost of this trip is too much, I'm not, I can't afford that. Well, I jokingly say to them, put it, put it on your card, die with your debt, and hand it <laughs> on to your kids. <laughs> it, is a, it is a significant investment primarily because the air travels mm-hmm. is so expensive. Uh, but it is to go anywhere in, in Europe. It's no, it's no less, it's no more expensive. It's less expensive than going to Rome for mm. the, the same amount of time. It's less expensive. I am a deep proponent of Catholic schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is a lot less expensive, a lot less expensive than a year worth of tuition in a Catholic high school. And it's the greatest investment you could make in your teenagers' lives. Yeah, and you've seen this firsthand from taking your teenagers there. And many people I know have taken their kids there. It's the single greatest investment they've ever made in their kids. 
So not only should you go to the Holy Land, but you should also bring your family with you. This should be something that you do together. Nothing better to share with either your kids or to share with your, maybe your parents. Yeah. Or siblings. It bonds the family like nothing else. When people go on a pilgrimage with School of Faith, can you just give us a snapshot into what a day looks like on this pilgrimage? Through the whole pilgrimage, we are following the footsteps of Jesus. We we experience every single scene in the gospel. And we're also encountering 19 of the 20 mysteries of the rosary, all except for the coronation. Uh, I can't take them to heaven. <laughs> Hopefully, God willing, we get there eventually and witness it there. <laughs> but each day we're, we're walking the footsteps of Jesus. I mean, even the first 16 hours are unbelievable. We land in Israel, we drive to Jerusalem, I let them get settled in their hotel room, have supper, and then I, our hotel is a five-minute walk from the, whole, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where Calvary and the empty tomb are. Immediately take them down there, because everyone's body clock is messed up from the time change, so I know inevitably they're going to be awake early the next morning, and they're not going to know what to do. Yeah. Well, they can walk down to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. They can pray at Calvary. They can go into the empty tomb. Wow. So I want them to know where this is. So right away, they experience this. Mm-hmm. Then the next morning, we go to Ein Karem, where Elizabeth greeted Mary, and Mary proclaimed her Magnificat. And right up the street is where John the Baptist was born, and the Benedictus was proclaimed. Mm-hmm. And then we go to the field where the shepherds encountered the angels at Christmas. And then we go to Bethlehem and reverence the birthplace of Jesus. And then we have lunch. This is all before lunch. This is all before lunch. (laughs) This is what, when you were telling me, this is like, this is it. This sounds like a great pilgrimage over the course of days. Like, no, this is the first 12 hours. (laughs) People always say after lunch that day, I would have come just for this. Yeah. And I said, we're just getting started. (laughs) There's still days to go through. That's incredible. I was looking through um, the brochure for this trip that's coming up in January. So School of Faith is taking a pilgrimage to the Holy Land at the end of January of this of 2019. So January 25th through February 4th. And just looking through the itinerary for this, the sepulcher, Bethlehem, the tomb of John the Baptist, there is the renewal of wedding vows at the Mass at Cana. And for Joseph and I, my husband, the gospel, because of how much we love Mary, we wanted her in our wedding gospel. And to be able to renew your wedding vows at the place where that gospel happened, that's incredible. Yeah, and that's just four or five of the things that there's lists and lists of places that you are able to visit. So, yeah. When I really encourage people, consider taking your kids. I've had nine-year-olds. I've had 12-year-olds. One summer I had 20 teenage boys. The, The most fun part of that trip was that we hiked up Mount Tabor. Yeah. And it's... It's very obvious where the church is on top because it's a cone-shaped mountain. And my son Xavier and a few of the other guys, immediately when we set out, they just took off running straight up. They didn't ask directions or what to do. What they didn't realize is that the Mount of Transfiguration at one point was a crusader fortress. Oh, wow. So there's a, about a 10-foot stone wall around the whole thing. <laughs> so they run up this mountain. They get to the... 
find themselves facing this 10-foot stone wall and they don't know what to do. So somehow they shimmy, climb up and shimmy over and they drop into a Greek Orthodox convent. <laughs> so these, these Greek Orthodox nuns, all of a sudden these teenage boys drop in and they start chasing them around with brooms. <laughs> so they, they found another wall, jumped over that, found themselves in another convent. I don't think they will ever forget that. No. <laughs> How often do you climb over walls and jump into convents? <laughs> or to do things, like I said earlier, to swim in the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. Do you, you take a boat off of the Sea of Galilee, right? We also do that. It's so beautiful because when you're standing on the shore, you can't take everything in. But if we take this boat and then we just float down the, the north shore of the Sea of Galilee where... Really, Mark chapter 1 through chapter 9 unfolds. Yeah. And you can see it all in front of you. We've talked about why you should go to the Holy Land. We've talked about why you should take your kids, how this is an investment. Why should people go on pilgrimage with Holy Family School of Faith? Because I'm addicted and I need people to go with me. (laughs) So you can keep going back to the Holy Land. (laughs) We insist on approaching the pilgrimage in a very different way, uh, there are many great pilgrimages, but I've heard from uh, the guides, the guides in the Holy Land, that we do it in a very unique way because at each scene, at each place, at each holy site, we're opening up the scriptures and teaching the significance of the place. But it doesn't end there. Then we make time for silent reflection Mm -hmm. so that a person can encounter Jesus in the silence. So it's really a moving retreat. It's a progressive retreat. Yeah. And that's the difference. Yeah, especially that silence because you're taking in so many places and in such short amount of time where you could unpack those over months, but this is over the course of days and to incorporate silence into that is key to being able to process it. Mm -hmm. That's incredible. You've taken 17 trips. You've taken people over to the Holy Land with you. If you were to think back on all of those trips, do any particular stories of people whose lives have been transformed or just incredible moments worth mentioning over at the Holy Land come to mind? There was a family who three of their sons were uh, avowed atheists. Fantastic parents. They, They brought their three sons And I don't know how much they got out of that specific pilgrimage, but something happened. And they're all committed Catholics today. This is like a life-changing trip, without an exaggeration. And again, it's about that investment because they didn't come back immediately changed. Mm -hmm. But something happened there that started a revolution within their souls. It was a seed. It was a spark. uh, It has changed them. For listeners who want to learn more about this pilgrimage coming up in January, um, how much does the trip cost? Where can they find information about dates? How can they sign up? What does that look like? Yes, every pilgrimage, the price varies a little bit Mm -hmm. because of the airfare price varies. The cost of the trip this January 2019 is $4,135, $4,135. It always hovers around $4,000, a little less, a little more, depending on the airfare. But that's everything included for 10 days. 
airfare, very nice hotels, three meals a day, all of your tips, everything is included. Uh, literally, you wouldn't have to bring another dime. Now, that is a significant amount of money, but I can't think of a better way to spend money. Right. Right. It's a very good use for $4,000. Right. Yeah. I've wasted that amount many times <laughs> in my life for no good reason. Right. <laughs> for reasons that, yeah, are not around anymore. But here, like we talked about, this is, this is an investment. Yeah. This is something you're going to be pondering on way after that $4,000 is spent. Yeah, I think of every rosary that I've prayed since that first time. I'm always taken back to those places. You know, and the other thing, one of my favorite sayings over there is, uh, if it wasn't here, it was near. Yeah. Because people want to know, where was Jesus? And, and well, he walked all over the place. Right. <laughs> but there are a few places where we know for certain that he was. For example, we know archaeologically exactly where Calvary is. We know exactly where the cross was and where he shed his blood. We know exactly where the tomb was. You can go into the tomb and you can kneel down and kiss the slab from which he rose from the dead. John chapter 4, the woman at the well. This is a spring-fed well with a rock mouth. That doesn't move. Mm -hmm. This is where Jesus reclined yeah. and spoke to the, the woman of Samaria. Things like this. We know exactly where the home of Peter is. We know that where Jesus lived for those three years with Peter. And you get to be there and stand there and pray there. And then even just the sense of all of world history springs from here. You have the Eastern and Western cultures come together here. You have the three world religions mm -hmm. uh, meeting up here. And it's all swirling around you. When it, just from a cultural experience, it's hard to beat. For listeners who want to get more information, you can head over to schooloffaith.com. But I'll also link all of the direct links to the Holy Land pilgrimage um, and resources that we talked about, registration forms, and the show notes as well. So you can head over to cathpod.com as well um, and get direct links to those. Chloe, I think we should also mention before we end that one of the things that School of Faith does as for its apostolate is we've been asked by the bishops to provide ongoing formation for Catholic school teachers. Yeah. And over the years, we've been raising money to take teachers to the Holy, principals and teachers to the Holy Land uh, so that they can have this profound encounter with Jesus and then bring it back to the kids in the Catholic schools. In fact, uh, one night I was in the grocery store late at night buy coffee and this man catches me in the aisle and he says hey you're the school of faith guy right <laughs> i said well i'm just here to get coffee <laughs> he said but, but wait you took my daughter's second grade teacher to the holy land and she tells my daughter every day about being with jesus and shows the pictures and it's transformed my daughter we want to give this experience to all the Catholic school teachers. We've taken about 300 in the last few years from Kansas City. We've taken them from Omaha, from Cincinnati. Uh, we hope to take some from the Archdiocese of Baltimore next year. But if any of our listeners would be interested in, in helping us take teachers to the Holy Land, uh, they can donate through the School of Faith website or contact us. Second to going, this is one of the most powerful ways to impact others. Because it trickles down. Right to the kids in the classroom. Right, right to your kids in classrooms. 
Yeah. All right. I'm going to close out the episode with the glory be. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever.